The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. I'm your social worker with a microphone, and you are listening to the Catherine Zox Show. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show on Voice America. Variety.com, and joining me this morning is my co-host Lauren Deller Blake and Catherine Zox. How are you this morning, Lauren? Good morning, Catherine. I am, um, I, as we said before, running around like a turkey the week before Thanksgiving, trying not to get caught. Yeah, don't get caught. <laughs> don't let anybody catch you. Well, just sit down, relax. We're going to do the show. We're going to have. Our guest coming up next, I'm not sure, it's going to be one of, one of two physicians, not sure which one, but uh, America's health rankings, and the boy health and health care is in the news, so we're right on schedule for this one. Health, America's health rankings findings highlight the greatest health battle of the next decade. This is the 20th anniversary edition, which will reveal the healthiest states, the least healthy states, and why Americans need to change behaviors to prevent disease. So we've got uh, either Dr. Reed Tuxen, who's Chief of Medical Affairs for United Health Group, or Dr. Manuel Selva, who's the Medical Advisor for the United Health Foundation in Florida, here to talk to us, you and me and our listeners, about America's health rankings. So that will be coming up next. So speaking of health and health rankings, so what do you think about the recent, what's well, a huge controversy, this whole mammogram thing, the uh, gov- not the government, but the physicians and the researchers who have now decided that women don't have to have mammograms from age 40 to 50. The mammograms should start at age 50. Well, I say hallelujah. <laughs> I think I've had two mammograms in my life, and I, I, do, I know that I have a different perspective, and no doctor in the world would agree with me, but I cannot understand how it makes sense to have a mammogram, if you have a tumor, a cancer tumor cells in your breast and you go get them smushed every way from Sunday, how can that be healthy? I would think that spreads cancer. I just can't even, I don't, so I, I'm glad to see it and I'm glad to see they're only um, suggesting it um, to people that are at high risk or, you know, in their, in their immediate family. First of all, you're right and you're wrong. You're wrong on the first count that doctors would disagree with you because doctors as a, uh, do agree with you and some and these actually these physicians the physicians now who the government hired who came from Dana Farber who came from Columbia who came from uh, uh, Texas uh, the the Anderson Center all of these researchers this is the result of all this the research that they've done have come up with similar findings as to what you're saying. I agree with you. I agree. You, with you. I didn't think you'd agree with me. Oh, I totally agree with you. Wow. You yeah, so I've been saying this and I've had my, I had my last one. I'm not doing it again for at least 10 years. I had my last one in the past year. And First I, of all, I to, Lauren, I, you are so right. For age 40 to 50, Nancy Snyderman, Dr. Nancy Snyderman, who's on the Today Show. Yeah, I know. Yeah. She's, she's fabulous. She, is an, she was on Morning Joe this morning. Oh, I didn't she, see her on Morning Joe. 
You did? No, I did not. Well, you should have because she was talking about this issue and no one agreed with her that first of all, you know, Joe Scarborough was talking about this is what comes from government. She said this isn't this, 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 these new findings. No, it doesn't come from government. Government hired these independent researchers from the top cancer specialty hospitals in our, in the country and they come up, came up with the findings that first of all, from a scientific perspective and the way we spend our money, this is not good health care. Women from their, in their 40s and 50s, first of all, the radiation that you get is just as harmful, if not more. The radiation that you get, yes, with each one of those mammograms is harmful yeah. to healthy breast tissue. I'm so glad. They, I'm, I was shocked. I'm like, holy moly, this is new age thinking, finally. As soon as I heard it, I was glued to the TV. I was watching, um, I think it was Anderson Cooper the other night, and that's when I heard it. It was like breaking news. I thought, that's fabulous. So I was really happy that I think that we're, I do believe in preventive medicine, and I believe that we should take good care of our bodies and eat well and exercise. I believe in all of that, and I think that's part of it. You know, all this testing so early is just craziness. But it's not even craziness; it's irresponsible. It it's is irresponsible, and I believe it was spend, a money. It was a money maker. It's yes, but you're spending money on the wrong thing. Exactly, this money, this hundreds of millions of dollars, should be spent on research, on exactly. research, so that that we can cure breast cancer instead of some inadequate mammogram thing, which doesn't. I think they save one life in one in two thousand one one out of two thousand women. Uh, and, and we, who are between the ages of 40 and 50. I want to read you, this is a website to go to. Uh, I went, it called Mammograms Cause Breast Cancer, and I have to remind you that I am not a physician. We right. do know, which right. is our opinion, and neither is Lauren, but this website is naturalnews.com, naturalnews.com, talking about the effectiveness of mammography, uh, radiation risks. I just want to read you a little piece to this. Um, Many critics of mammography cite the hazardous health effects of radiation. In 1976, the controversy over radiation and mammography reached a saturation point. At that time, mammographic technology delivered 5 to 10 rads per screening. This is when you get a mammogram, uh-huh. as compared to 1 rad in the current screening methods in women between the ages of 35 and 50. Each rad of exposure increased the risk of breast cancer by 1%. Wow. According to Dr. Frank Rauscher, who was then the director of NCI, which is the National Cancer Institute, Lawrence. Listen to this. According to Russell Blylock, another physician, one estimate is that annual radiological breast exams increase the risk of breast cancer by 2% a year. So over 10 years, over 10 years, the risk will have increased 20%. In the 60s and 70s, women, even those who received 10 screenings a year, were never told the risk they faced from exposure. Wow. I see. That's my natural instinct. Is that I totally agree with it. It's my that, and that's my natural instinct. That doesn't make sense. I never, never had a mammography between the age of 40 and 50. Yeah, you didn't. It wasn't actually you're the thing when you were in that age group. It was correct. not. And that smushing of your breast. Actually, what you're talking about is science. Is a, is a scientific reason for not getting a, a mammogram. It's not. Who? It doesn't make sense to do that to your own body. You know. Well, when it you push your breast like that, and if you do have cancer cells, it does help to. I think, as I understand it, it helps to. You can spread them. 
Yeah, I mean, exactly. Well, that's yeah. what it makes. That's what makes. That's what's like so intuitive. Like if it makes sense, and you're smushing a tumor, you're making it. You're pushing it out and out of its own self, which is going to spread it. Yeah, uh, this is. It's amazing, though, the emotional people react, as Dr. Nancy Snyderman said, emotionally because it's the breast, it's women. They get into it. Your mother, your sister, and you. And you know what? This is scientific evidence. We have to start looking at the science of this stuff rather than the emotional stuff. Yeah. Uh, and she was very, you have to, I'm going to, she's gotten, she said so many like negative responses, so I have to send my positive responses to her. I'm actually going to email her after the show because I think what she has to say is really important and no one wants to hear the science of it. Everybody would rather be running and jumping and for, for breast cancer and having, you know, these events and it's that's that's much sexier than giving money to some poor researcher in a in a laboratory to come up with some answers as to how we can cure it and also i think the environmental carcinogens is something else nobody wants to talk about i i totally agree with you and i think that it's i i'm shocked that we agree quite frankly because you know we haven't spoken about this and i thought well no one no one agrees with me because i'm so way out there when it comes to you know, Western medicine, I tend not to use a whole lot. And I do think there's a time and place. I totally agree there's a time and place for Western medicine and testing. I think it's valuable and important. But when it comes to prevention, I don't think it is. I think when it comes to diagnosing, it's so much more valuable. If there's a problem, Western medicine is very good at diagnosing. Why did you think I was going to disagree with you? I thought you were going to be on the more conservative side of this one. That's amazing. I, I am, and I thought that I had maybe said something on the show a couple of weeks ago, but I guess I didn't. Absolutely not. I am in total agreement with you. Here's another website, preventcancer.com. I'd like to have this doctor on the show, preventcancer.com. He, he is part of the Cancer Prevention Coalition out of the University of Illinois in Chicago. Uh-huh. Who shares some of the, the beliefs or the understandings that we've been talking about. And the website is preventcancer.com, Dr. Samuel Epstein. Cancer okay. Prevention Coalition, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'd like to get him on the show. He'd be great on the show. Yeah, to I talk just, about I think this. there's, I believe we're going to see in the next 10 years a coming together of Eastern and Western medicines in ways we've never seen it before. And if we would be open to combine, if our medical system and even healthcare system, like look at it more healthcare, including the prevention piece, if we could, if our new healthcare system could include Eastern and Western medicine, I think we're going to be off the charts much healthier overall. I think it's beginning to happen. You're right. It's going to take 10 years. It's going to take these medical schools, first of all, to start integrating these courses as part of the medical uh, d- uh, curriculum. You have to start in medical schools, and you have to change attitudes. And of course, you have a whole younger generation of doctors or medical students. I mean, it has to start there, and then they have to get out into the, uh, you know, into the working world, the medical field. Because you have all these, I think, older doctors and they're like 50 plus who just don't are still hanging on to that very westernized way of of, of treating medicine. Now, maybe because of our healthcare. The situation now and the, and the cost that we're going to be able to look at things in a more sci- what works and what doesn't work not from an emotional standpoint but as from Dr. Nancy Snyderman said from a scientific standpoint yeah. where do we put our money exactly I mean we we ha- we have to make decisions good decisions about where we put our monies uh, and and I don't think mammography is 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 the way to go I mean it's it's um, so but there's a lot of people who are up and really, about well, I think a lot of the people um, 
if they if you know somebody or in your family that has breast cancer, a lot of times I think mammographies or self breast exam probably found it. So I think they're pretty passionate about you know that thing or that that activity saved my life. For example, I could be wrong about that. Those, um, but those are anecdotal. I, I agree with that. I totally agree, but I think there's an emotional tie to that, that thing that saved her life or whatever it was. We're going to take a break. Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk about America's health rankings, see where we stand. Uh, you're t- listening to Catherine Zox and Lauren Beller-Blake, VoiceAmericaVariety.com. Don't go away because we'll be back in a minute. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you ready to go green? You've asked and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Emotional intelligence has been documented to be the most important skill for a leader to move up in an organization. Leaders Playbook will unpack what emotional intelligence is, why it is important, and how you can raise your emotional intelligence for yourself, your direct reports, and your team. Join Dr. Relly Nadler every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, to the Leaders Playbook on the Voice America Business Channel. Your success, your success could depend on it. It's sex education like you've never heard before. Want to improve your love life? You know, that love life. Join sexual wellness expert and certified erotic educator Jaya for Sex with Jaya. She'll bring you cutting-edge techniques to expand your erotic repertoire. Jaya will offer advice and speak with guests who will shed light on everything to do with sex. You can even listen together with that special someone. Sex with Jaya is broadcast live every Friday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Are we coming back? I think so. We're back. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone on VoiceAmericaVariety.com. Good morning. Thanks for joining us this morning, Lauren Beller-Blake, Catherine Zox, co-host. Our guest is coming up next, one of the doctors from this new 20th anniversary edition of that reveals the healthiest states. What are the healthiest states? What do you think? Uh, this is something they've been doing every year, the he- America's Health Rankings, which is interesting. Um, I wonder what the healthiest state and the not healthiest state is. I have 
What do you think, Lauren? Do I don't know. That's a good question. I would think California would be a healthy state, but I don't know. Yeah, well, they're going down the tubes financially. financially I wonder how their health are, is. are they maintaining their health? Um, well, we have Dr. Manuel Selva. He's going to talk to us. He's the medical advisor for United Health Foundation and medical director for United Healthcare in Florida, here to tell us what the healthiest states are. Dr. Selva, welcome to the show. Good morning, and thank you. How are you this morning? Uh, I'm, I'm well, and I'm um, interested to see that you all have, you know, this curiosity about who are the healthiest states and who are the most unhealthy states. So, yes. Okay, so you're here to tell us. Now, this is the 20th year that you've been you. doing this, right? We've been doing it for 20 years now. That's correct. Okay. So you tell us, who are, what are the healthiest states and the not healthy and why, and, you know, and, and why, you know, if they're not healthy, what are they doing wrong? Absolutely. Well, there's, there's a lot of information that's, that's, you know, based on those questions. But let me start with who the healthiest states are, and I'll start with the top three. Vermont came in first place. Utah was second, and Massachusetts was third. The least healthy, Mississippi in 50th place, Oklahoma in 49th, and Alabama in 48th. Wow. And what led to these discrepancies is that, for instance, Utah has the lowest prevalence of smoking. Mississippi has the highest prevalence of obesity. One-third of their population is obese. So you can see there's a common thread here, and I think the most uh, pronounced um, issue that we need to discuss is obesity followed by smoking. All right, so obesity, uh, so Mississippi is the fattest state in the union. Is that what you're saying? Well, I wouldn't put it quite that way, but yes, I understand what you're saying, and I can't disagree with that statement. All right, and so obesity makes that state one of the, the least, or the least healthiest state. So uh, what do we do about that? I mean, why? first of all, why do you think? Why are in Mississippi, for instance, why are they so obese in Mississippi and not obese in Vermont and Utah and Massachusetts? Yes, well, it's, it's not just one factor, and I wish it were and be easy to, to to solve, but I think it's a host of factors. I mean, when we look at it from a socioeconomic standpoint, if people <clears throat> are um, working but both parents, it makes it difficult for them to prepare a meal at home, and the inclination is to get fast foods, which are unhealthy foods. When we look at the types of food and how they're prepared, Mississippians use a lot of lard, etc., which has a high cholesterol, high carbohydrate count. Um, so those are just some of the things that, that weigh into this, no pun intended. And the only other aspect that I, I need to, to uh, mention in the discussion of obesity has to do with activity, physical activity. Many of the states we've discussed who are at the top of the list still have very active states who participate in a lot of activities outdoors, and unfortunately, in the states that I mentioned that were the least healthy, there's also less amount of physical activity in those states. What about, I think you have to bring in this factor, what about education? Because you're talking about people who, working families where people, both parents work, and so they don't have an opportunity to 
I mean, I hear you saying like to cook the right foods or whatever. People in Massachusetts work as well, you know, both parents. But doesn't education come into this? That people, I don't know what the educational level is in Mississippi, say, versus Massachusetts, but I would assume it would be different. And socioeconomic levels and the information that they have and how they apply that to the way they cook, the way they eat, the way they exercise, isn't that a piece of it? That's very insightful and you're correct. Among the things that go into America's health rankings is the high school graduation rate. And that's important to measure because studies have shown that lower education levels, not, or another way of saying higher education levels, you know, high school diplomas and, you know, as you go up the line, you know, college diplomas, professional degrees, etc. As you go up the educational ladder, the incidence, the prevalence of smoking decreases. So if you have a low high school graduation rate, it stands to reason you're going to have a higher smoking rate. So, yes, the graduation rate from high school and education levels does play a strong role in, in America's health rankings. So let's get back to the obesity thing, Doctor. What do we do about it? How do we, you know, I mean, because uh, we've mentioned that you've mentioned the extremes, the healthiest and the non-healthy and the the healthiest and the sickest, I guess, states, uh, and I, most of the other states fall somewhere in the middle. So if obesity is a big problem, smoking is a big problem, how do we tackle this, especially in, you know, in the next 10 years and with our health care system and not enough money, and what do we do? Right. Well, Catherine, I think the easiest, and there's no easy solution, but the easiest and perhaps the first solution is to look at ourselves and ask ourselves realistically, are we obese? I think many people justify their weight by saying, my parents were overweight and I'm just a little overweight. Being a little overweight is healthy and I can tell you that's a thought among several you know, different ethnic groups and cultures, especially among Hispanics, of which I can speak for being one. So we have to recognize as a population individually if we are obese. Within the medical community, the way we identify obesity is very finite. We say the body mass index, BMI, is over 30. And every one of your listeners can go on the website and put in BMI, and it will give them the, the formula for just putting in their, their weight and height, and it will give them their BMI score, their body mass index. If it's 30 or greater, they are obese. That is the first step, recognizing that they, we, are an obese society. Today, 27% of our population is obese. Scary thought, but in 10 years, that percentage will be 43%. So we really need to take control of this, not through Washington, D.C., but through our own doing. Recognizing All right, so we have to cut through our individual denial. We real it's denial, denial, denial. I, as individuals, we are obesity. We are we are we are obese. We're overweight. What do you do when you go into the doctor's office and the doctor who is sitting there is also overweight? I mean, I can give you several examples of doctors that I see, and I'm looking at the doctor, the physician. I'm thinking you need to lose thirty pounds. It's, this is not a good role model. It's distressing, but you're absolutely correct. There was a time that um, physicians would smoke, and I'm going back now twenty or thirty years and they would offer cigarettes to their patients. So we have come a long way, but we still have a long ways to go because it's very difficult for someone who is obese to tell another individual, you should be losing weight 
when that individual who's doing the talking needs to do as much, if not more, to lose weight. What do we do about the addictive quality? And I, okay, so we, you know, the, the denial, and you, and, and you have to really, I guess, accept yourself and realize that you are, accept the fact that you are overweight and do something about it. But also, there's this other piece that's more environmental, doctor, that has to do with the, uh, the, our, our cravings and our addiction to these foods that we buy in the grocery store, full of sugar and salt, and we have I, there's an addictive quality to that, which I think a lot of us have, you know, th- that's a problem. How do you overcome that? What do you do? Well, there's a number of cities and communities that have done a number of things to help, especially our young population. When you talk about, you know, eating habits. They all start when we're young. School cafeterias are now going to healthy diets. Before, Thursday was hamburger day, Wednesday was hot dog day, you know, Tuesday was macaroni and cheese day, and we are changing gradually, but changing how we're feeding our children. There are a lot of initiatives, again, grassroots, which in snack rooms and things of that sort are removing the candy bars and are putting in more healthy fruits and nuts and things of that sort. So it's a long process. It's not going to be easy, but notwithstanding, I see that there are some very good ideas that are starting to gain traction in different parts of our country. All right, so that's the good news. Uh, now, we're talking about obesity, and then the second thing that you mentioned is the, or not second, but is, is, the, is the smoking thing, because I thought we had kind of, we were going in the right direction with smoking, but apparently smoking is on the rise with, with younger people, that people, young kids are starting to smoke again in middle school and in high school. Yes, let's take a step back to your first point about we're controlling smoking. Smoking has gone down by 38% in the past 20 years, so that's remarkable, and it's been for a number of reasons, you know, health campaigns, the tobacco monies, which are going to, you know, educate people on how to quit smoking, the cities, not just buildings, but cities that are becoming smoke-free, and then finally the, the taxes that are becoming so expensive that those people who were on the board and wanted to quit now because of financial constraints have had to quit. So 38% has been the reduction we've seen of the past 20 years. That's where the good news stops because we still have 18% of the population smoking and almost half a million deaths attributable to smoking on an annual basis. The point about young people smoking is a distressing one. Many of them are doing them for social peer pressure. Some of them are doing for other reasons as well. But that's where we really need to give examples to our children that it's very likely that if we smoke as adults, our children will see that as acceptable behavior. So, again, it goes back to the responsibility of adults that if they are smoking, they should make every effort to stop, not only for themselves, but for their offspring. Well, there's so much more to talk about, and we've just, I think, covered the surface in terms of, uh, you know, the healthcare rankings and, and, and the information that you got through the research. But Dr. Manuel Selfish, thanks so much for being on the show this morning. Uh, we've learned a lot, and I think we have to get out there and take our personal responsibility, as you say, for being obese and smoking, and we could go on and on. But um, um, thank you. Thank you for your interest. You're listening to the Catherine Zox Show with Lauren Deller-Blake. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, voiceamericavariety.com. We'll be back in a minute. 
news, opinion, your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787, 1-866-472-5787, voiceamerica.com. What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style, every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, right here on the Voice America Women's Radio Network. Are you living with passion, purpose, and play? Are you ready to overcome your fears, claim your power and purpose to make your mark on the world, but don't know where to start? Tuck Self, the Rebel Bell, will inspire and empower you to squeeze as much juice and joy out of life as possible. You'll find your passion, live on purpose, and do it all with a boatload of play. Join this amazing voice for Tuck Talk every Monday at 6 p.m. in the East and 3 p.m. in the West on the Voice America Variety Channel. Live rebelliciously and on your terms. It's sex education like you've never heard before. Want to improve your love life? You know, that love life. Join sexual wellness expert and certified erotic educator Jaya for Sex with Jaya. She'll bring you cutting-edge techniques to expand your erotic repertoire. Jaya will offer advice and speak with guests who will shed light on everything to do with sex. You can even listen together with that special someone. Sex with Jaya is broadcast live every Friday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time. 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone, The Catherine Zox Show, voiceamericavariety.com. Lauren Deller-Blake. Today's been kind of a health day, I guess you would call it. But here's something else, Lauren. This is going to, this is another research study. This is something that's going to interest you. Working Mother Magazine. Working Mother Magazine, uh, editor-in-chief Suzanne Riss, women losing custody battles more often because they are working. Interesting. They're getting punished for working. They did a major research study, Working Mother Magazine. You can go to workingmothermagazine.com for more information. Shows that 74% Seventy-four percent of respondents believe a mother's nurturing is essential to a child's development. But at least fifty percent, fifty percent of custody cases now end with the father gaining primary custody. Wow, and that's amazing! Is, it looks like it's going—it's on the rise. The women are getting punished for going out there and working because judges feel that they're not staying home with their children. So since they're not staying home, and also men are losing their jobs, and so they are at home. There and there's a lot of pressure on families, divorce, uh, and when the divorce happens, they are awarding primary custody to the fathers. That's 2.2 million mothers in America. That's amazing. Don't have primary physical custody of their children, and this number has been rising steadily. And fathers are seeking, this is a result of this research, fathers are seeking sole custody in a contest, when there's a contested case and they win 
at least 50% of the time. They are requiring joint or primary custody more and more, and this has happened over the past 10 years, over the past decade. So, and women don't even realize that this is happening. They actually, if you actually, when they've taught women, mothers hold misconceptions. They think that they are going to win in a custody case. They're wrong. They think just because that they're the mother that they will probably be, get primary custody of their kids, and that's not happening. So they don't really understand this. They need to know these statistics. That's actually a really, I'm so glad you shared that. I had no idea of that. And I, here I am, this big advocate for women doing their thing and being passionate because I believe that, but I guess the real important piece here is to be sure that you're continuing to be the sole provider from a caregiving, from a nurturing standpoint, from a, you know, so well, it's more all, like a part-time, three-quarter time experience and more flexible. You're right. But the women, this is, there was another doctor, this is somebody here from upstate New York at SUNY Buffalo, said the reality is that today's, you know, they say that our dads and, and lawyers or the lawyers for the dads or the, um, the judges believe that women are less devoted to their kids because they're out there working. They believe that. Okay, oh that's God, another that's one so of those beliefs. True. What? That is not true. No, because what they say is women frequently pile their career commitments on top of the hours they spend caring for their children. And Dr. Samson Lee Blair of SUNY Buffalo says that today's professional mothers spend roughly the same number of hours weekly caring for their children as stay-at-home moms did in the 1950s. Wait a second. Say that again. That current moms today are spending the same amount of time as the moms in the 50s. They're just adding jobs onto it. Exactly. Got it. Which I think that's probably very true. And they're working. There's one particular person. She's a big fish. She is in Florida. And that girl emails me at midnight. She emails me at 3 in the morning. And I know she's a mom. She's not a stay-at-home mom. She works her little tush off. And she's there for her daughter. So mothers are doing both. She's doing both. She's got a million-dollar company, and she's doing both. And she's doing both well, it sounds like. Yeah. I, I, I question how well you can do it. I mean, because there is something about going back and forth. There's a thing about, and I, this is how I, for me, if I, when I was working part-time and then I was with the boys part-time, when I was working, I was thinking about them. And when I was with them, I was thinking about the work. And so sometimes I would feel like I'm really not able to totally immerse myself in either one because I'm feeling uncomfortable about what I need to do in my other job. That's and so interesting. In Big Fish yesterday, one of the calls that I did was exactly that topic of how critical it is for us as women to be 100% present with what we choose in the moment. And how do you do really that? About that's abundance. not easy. Like, go ahead. Were you going to say something? How do you do that? That's not easy to do. Well, I do think it's a choice. I do think it's a choice. In other words, I'm choosing right now to be with my kid, and I'm going to be with her or him and be with her fully, like enjoy the moment, go, you know, go for a walk, don't take your cell phone with you, and then, um, or, you know, get clear that this is, this is us spending 30 minutes of quality time with my child. It's a choice, and it's so really being really conscious. Yeah. Being conscious, you have to make an effort to do that. You do. And when I was with my boys, we didn't have cell phones, but I would be in the house with the three boys, and I was on the phone. And suddenly I realized, you know, I'm here. I'm, uh, physically I'm here, but I'm not really with them because I'm talking to my girlfriends or I'm talking to my 
whoever I'm doing business with. And so just because I can say, well, I'm a stay-at-home mom and I'm here. You're not really there. I'm not really here. I'm not here. I'm on the phone. I have to stop talking, which is difficult for me to do. And so you're right. Now it's a cell phone. You're going to take your kid to the park. Don't take your cell phone with you. I agree with that. I totally agree with that. And I do think there's, it's about getting more conscious about being, like, I think I can get more work done between 8 at night and 11 than I can during the day because I can be 100% focused. The phone's not ringing. Emails are less, you know, they're less prevalent coming in. I can get really focused on getting a project complete. Very valuable time for me. Um, so women so have mom to be that's more, not just focused, but deliberate. You mentioned the word deliberate. It doesn't happen spontaneously. If you are back in the 50s or early 60s and you're a stay-at-home mom, it could be more spontaneous. It didn't have to be deliberate in terms of how you spend your time. But don't fool yourself, ladies. You have to be really deliberate about what you're doing and very conscious about what you're doing, or otherwise you can't do it. You can't work and also give quality time to your kids. And it's not just giving quality time to your kids. I always felt it's quality. I want to enjoy it, too. You know, you can go to the park and not bring your cell phone and be sitting there thinking, I'm not having a good time, because you really aren't emotionally involved with your kids. That's something else, to really enjoy it, not just to provide quality time for the kid, but for your children, but you having quality time for you, too. Now, what I used to do is I would do things with them that I like to do. And maybe they were a little offbeat because I didn't really like sitting in the park all so much. It was not my thing. <laughs> uh-huh. But I would take them to things that I liked or do things that I liked, you know, be involved. And I've mentioned this before, but take them to a play, and both of us would be in the same play because I like to do theater. Uh, or you know, different people like to do different things. But do something that you like to do as a mother, too. It doesn't have to just be something that it's so typically what the kid, what your child would do. You know, it's so interesting. I um, I try. I have a conscious thing to be sure that I just. You're going to think this is crazy, but I just be sure that I get in this silly, playful place with Sierra, and I'll. It's just is a natural thing I try to do on a daily basis. You know, she was taking her shirt off last night. It was last night or the night before, and it got stuck on her head like a muffin man. And we got laughing, and we videotaped it, and she just thinks it's the best, funniest thing in the whole world. But that little 20-minute worth of, or not even, not, you know, five-minute worth of connecting time was so critical. And so many, so many people, I think, would be too quick to just step on it or step over it. Step over it and go take her to a play date at somebody's house because you have to do play dates and you have to get out there and make all these plans with some other mother rather than, as you say, staying home and laughing with your daughter and having a good time. and Really important. I just, those are like the most treasured moments. And they're not like they're every day for two hours, you know. They're for a few minutes, and those few minutes are just so critical. So you don't want to over, you don't want to over plan either. I think that's an issue. Even though you have to be conscious and deliberate about what you do, which is kind of what you're saying with your story, but you just don't want to plan everything. You know, you plan the play dates and plan the, you know, you're going here and out for lunch and all that kind of stuff. And I think there's a lot of that going on too. Oh, a lot of that. And I find with me, it feels like a lot of my time is planned, but it's about being spontaneous in the moment. Like I won't, I can't, you know, drop everything and go, you know, she wanted to go ice skating today. We had never been ice skating. She saw it on Sesame Street. She's like, I want to go ice skating. And I said, we can do that. She says, today? I'm like, no, today is totally planned. But, you know, maybe Saturday, you know, or Friday afternoon. But I'm so planned. I totally agree with you. I'm way over planned. I have some work to do there. Yeah, you have to step back and you just have to maybe plan one thing a day or, or two things a week. 
and let the other stuff just you know you have the time that you're plan that you're planned out, but you don't have to necessarily plan what you're going to do in Ooh, that, that time, stuff, right? Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, so that makes a huge difference. Uh, yeah, it's not easy for women. I mean, we get. Uh, it's not easy, and it's a huge. It's, it's a really. Ta- it's a challenge to find that balance, and I don't use that word the way I think that we tend to use it. I mean that. It's our internal balance, and that's really what I think we're looking for. There's no silver bullet of how to get it all done. You can't get it all done, but you have to look at the bigger picture. Yeah, I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, if you're trying to feed your kids healthy, to stay on our health topic, if I look at one day with Sierra, it, I get crazy. But if I can look at a week, she, she eats pretty healthy. But if I look at one day, it's either all protein or all carbs or all vegetables. You know, it's... But that's just how her body is. But the, so same thing with work-life balance. Like it can't be all work. But if you can look at a week and be sure you have play in there too. Well, the you balance can't. isn't always necessarily fifty-fifty or one-third, one-third, one-third. The balance can be. Yeah, you gave a good example. I think with your kids. Okay, one day she's going to eat all bananas and fruits, and she doesn't want to eat the fiber. You know, the other stuff. Okay, but so, so the what? next day she'll eat the right stuff. Exactly. You have to be. I'm, I was very good at that. Just very loose. You have to be loose with the food because you provide good food, and she'll eventually pick out the right food. That's yeah, her nut. Her body will naturally crave what yeah, she's eating. Yeah, it will. It definitely it, it, true with the bigger picture of balance of how to work, how to play, how to connect with your kids, how to take care of yourself. You know, if we can give ourselves like look at the full week versus one day. There's days that I don't get a shower in. You know, there's just days that that's going to happen. And you shouldn't. You need to let those natural oils come out of you. You don't need to take a shower every single day. Uh, so that's not a bad thing. That's okay. And all your responsibility, like with Sierra, and for those of you who don't know who Sierra is, Lauren's daughter, who's three years old. Almost four. Almost four years old. You just have, your responsibility is to provide the good food and then let her, and she can, she'll make the right choices. I mean, if you don't have the right food there, she can't make the right choices. Right. So that's all you need to do, and we need to take a break. I'm Catherine Zox, Lauren Beller-Blake. I'm your social worker. I've been stuttering all week. I am your social worker with a microphone, VoiceAmericaVariety.com. Don't go away. We'll be back in a minute. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Total career success. What does it mean to you? Voice America presents a radio program dedicated to help you achieve your career goal. Even in times of economic uncertainty, you can achieve your financial goals. Whether you're a college grad, new in the working environment, or a top-level executive, you will benefit from the practical and proven advice on job search and career advancement. Join Ken and Cheryl Dawson every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, for Total Career Success on Voice America. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. 
Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer, and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with Easy to understand tools and tips. With his weekly guests, Jim draws from successes with professionals, college, high school, and youth teams, coaches, and players. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone, the Catherine Zox Show with Lauren Deller-Blake. Thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, Lauren, I, have you heard of the, it's a marketing company called Just Ask a Woman. Just I know, Ask but a, I like that name. Just Ask a Woman, and the one of the owners or the CEO of the company, and I think there are three women who are uh, partners in this uh, consulting firm, Mary Lou Quinlan, and you've probably seen her because I definitely know her name. She's uh, she she has this marketing company. She uh has written several books. She's a correspondent for the CBS Early Show and a primetime ABC TV personality. So she's been on the air, you've seen her on the air. She's a very interesting woman and she has her new book is What's She's not telling you why women hide the whole truth and what marketers can do about it. And because she has this major consulting company, for, she markets, does marketing for the major big corporations. You know, some of the uh, the Fortune 500 companies. And apparently, it's really interesting in terms of marketing. I would think you would be interested in this. Um, they say that when they interview women, you know, when companies are trying to find out what women want, they make huge mistakes because women tell half truths when they are being asked about what they want. So she talks about, this is really interesting, like the marketing campaign. Do you know the Dove? The Dove yep, uh, commercials? Yeah. Uh-huh. You know that whole campaign? For yeah, a couple women. of years ago. Yeah, and it was still going on. I, I mean, I've still seen some of these commercials, but they interviewed women, um, asking women what they wanted, and, and Dove felt that, you know, you need to truth in advertising, and you'd have women up there who were, didn't look like these skinny models because women say, you know, it's really disgusting and you see these, you know, these models who are six feet tall and they weigh 98 pounds. We want real women. Yeah, yep. We want people that we can identify with. So we want women who are 
overweight and lumpy and bumpy and big boobs and no boobs and you know, somebody like us. I didn't think that was just a half Speak for yourself. <laughs> I didn't say you were lumpy or bumpy. Oh, I thought you said like we were. Well, I, the average person. We're not gotcha. six, okay. Okay. Six feet tall. <clears throat> oh, the average model. The average model. But in truth, that's not what they wanted. Women don't tell the truth when it comes to advertising. We tell half-truths so that we don't, we do want to see women who are not like ourselves. We buy, we want to see women who we think we can eventually, who we can look like, who look better than ourselves. So that kind of advertising doesn't work. It, I mean, it's, it, 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 you know, we don't want to look at overweight women or women who are not attractive or women who don't have what we sort of have that ideal body. We like when to see we, we, we want to we buy things because we think we're gonna look like that person when we have the potential. So that was one example that she gave with the dove uh, Oh that's what I'm sorry, I was not connecting the docs. So just ask a woman was giving that feedback. Yeah. She was interesting. That, yeah. Exactly, because women don't tell the truth when they when they. Um, so when you're trying to find out, like it, she's a marketer, a major marketer, that you, women when you're interviewing women about what they want or what they don't want, you have to go below the ha- beneath the half truths and find out what they really want. Well, I think that that's right. There is the real challenge. I think we need to be. We have to start being more honest. Well, she says we're not honest because we are. Uh, They've identified five universal emotional drives that kind of why we aren't honest. It's not that we lie. They're half-truths, but they're not lies, okay? And and she describes these half-truths. Am I being too over crazy? This is I find this interesting in terms of marketing. GAMES, she uses this acronym, G-A-M-E-S, good intentions. Women are optimists at heart who believe that if they say what they intend, someday it will come true. So it's not that we lie, but we just talk about what we want, not really what is. Interesting. And that's yeah. a female phenomenon. Did men do that? No, not in the same way. I mean, she's talking about specifically women, that women do that. Men don't do that. But we want, we seek approval. So if we're in a group and they ask us what we like, we want approval. So we kind of tell people what they want to hear. Yeah, do, do you buy green products? Oh, yes, I do. And I go green, but in reality, you may go green halfway, not really, not all the time, you know, but you don't say that. Exactly. I told, yeah. that's interesting. We're, it's like we're, we are very <coughs> optimistic and we think we're going to complete the job. Yes, exactly. Interesting. But it, it, it's just in terms of marketing, I found that in, <coughs> it's a very interesting company and she's talking about how you, uh, if you want to market your product, you have to be really, if you're, and you're asking women what they want, uh, these are the things that get in the way from them telling the truth. It's so, interesting. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have to check out her website, Just Ask a Woman. <clears throat> There's a lot of a um, research being done in that area of people, because women really are the shoppers, the yes. the consumers, the decision makers. So there's I a lot women of do 85 research going into the shopping. This. I'm sorry, what? Women do 85% of the shop buying Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. I agree with that. So it's really important to understand what women really do want if you're going to try and sell your products, whatever mm-hmm. the products may be. Totally agree with it, and I think there's a lot of good um, research that's needed so that we better understand it. Because I do think our our shopping habits our shopping habits are changing too with the economy, and I think it's not going to be 
a short-term change. I think it's going to be a long-term experience. So how do they change? You know, I say I go green. Here, she says, uh, we need to know this this information, that she, this research she's done on women and telling truth in advertising. Women buy or influence the purchase of 85% of everything sold in today's economy. That goes from food to technology, from finance to health care. To vacations. Vacations, yep. Yep, it's everywhere. Well, yes, it covers the whole gamut. That's 85%. That's a lot of money and a lot of buying. I mean, I say that I go green. I go green in certain areas. For my dishwashing stuff, I buy green. For the clothes I wear, I mean, for, you know, washing clothes and stuff, I go green. But, you know, when it comes to the bathrooms and cleaning the toilets, not that I do them, but I don't go green. I go for the really hardcore stuff. My husband's so frustrated with me because I will buy, I'm buying the green dishwasher detergent, and he insists that our dishes aren't anywhere near as clean. It makes him crazy. He asked me this morning, buy the old stuff with all the crap in it, he says, and he's Mr. Green. That's what Barry says, my partner. You need not to buy that because my dishes, the dishes, your dishes are not getting clean enough. I said they're clean enough. That's what I say. They're, they're clean enough. Clean. It's clean that dirt. Chemicals? Yeah. No, men have a problem. That's how we're going to end this show. Anyway. <laughs> they do have a problem. So buy that's that so green funny. detergent. I mean, that's something you use every day. Think about how you're saving the environment just with that little thing about, you know, just, just with dishwashing detergent. That's so interesting. Yeah, I think the dishwasher, it's very harsh. Yeah, men, I don't know why they have such an issue with that one. They have a cleanliness one. problem. I a think cleanliness women are far problem. more tolerant of things, even though we said that we're not, that we're always cleaning the house. I don't think that's true. We have to say goodbye. Lauren Beller-Blake, Catherine Zox, VoiceAmericaVariety.com. You've been listening to us this morning. Thanks so much for joining us. Have a great day, and we'll see you next week. You have a great week. Yeah. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Catherine Zox Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America channel. Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.catherinezox.com. Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversations with Catherine Zox. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.